Hey there, and welcome to It's Simply Life. I'm your host, Lisa Williams, founder and entrepreneur of It's Simply Digital, native Texan, single mom to two young adults, and an adventure-seeking worldwide traveler. This is the podcast that blends a little bit of entrepreneurship, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of life, and a whole lot of spice. Hey there, Simplifiers. I'm super excited to bring you a replay from one of our most popular podcasts. It's getting into the right business mindset with Tiffany Toombs. And whether you're just starting out or you're scaling a business, you need to have a vision of where you're going and the flexibility and how you're going to get there. And Tiffany breaks it all down for you in a very simplified process. So without further ado, take a listen to this amazing podcast. Hey, Tiffany, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Lisa. I'm excited to be here. All right. So where are you calling in from? Dallas, Texas. You're here too. I am. Yes. Um, we survived the snowstorm and the crazy weather and it's bipolar. <laughs> yeah. We have like crazy thunderstorms heading our way. This we're on mm-hmm. like the Northern tip of Dallas and they're like, Oh, isolated tornadoes. I'm like, cool. All within the space of a month. Yeah. Snowstorms, <laughs> then tornadoes, you know, they go right. together. I know. And it's like 75 outside today. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about, getting in the right mindset um, to to build a business, to continue to grow a business, to scale a business. Um, I think you have such valuable content and knowledge to share. So I'm so excited to dive in with and talk to all to you with about all this stuff. I'm stumbling on my words. <laughs> um, all right. So what do you think Like if you're going to start a business, if you're like at the beginning stages of building a business, where do you think your headspace needs to be? I think the biggest thing that I tell entrepreneurs, regardless of where they are on their journey, whether they're starting out or they're scaling, is that you need to be firm in the vision of where you're going and flexible in how you get there. I think entrepreneurs a lot of times become or already are control freaks (laughs) in that they want to control their own destiny. And so they have an idea of how things should look, or they have an idea in their mind of who is going to support them or the process that they should take to get there. And then as we know, life's always going to throw you curveballs. I mean, 2020 was a prime example of that. And the, the entrepreneurs, it was really interesting. So March 16th next week is one year since the lockdown started. Right. And literally within less than 48 hours, there was already businesses and already people on social media talking about how they were shutting up shop, claiming bankruptcy. And I thought it was really interesting because at that point in time, we didn't know that this was going to go on for a year. Sure. Longer, right. We, there was talk of like 15 days. Some people maybe thought maybe 90. And so we saw some businesses starting to pivot really quick mm-hmm. and say, how can I adjust to the circumstances? And then we saw other people just throw their hands in the air and go, well, I, this isn't going to work. I can't do this. And so 
that's a prime example of why it's so important to be flexible and how you get there. I, I mean, I run NLP trainings and I'd had people saying to me, you should offer some virtual options. You should allow people to attend virtually because some people might not be able to travel. And I was like, no, the programs are so much more powerful in person. I'm only going to do them in person. And then obviously COVID hit and I was like, well, (laughs) we're opening up virtual. (laughs) And my business grew really quickly when that happened, because now what people were asking me for, I was actually Mm -hmm. doing, I was kind of forced into it. And I think a lot of times we don't stop to reflect on what do other people want? How else can we deliver this same service and make it more accessible to more people or the, or this product? So I, I would say your starting mindset really has to be this, be firm in where you're going. Know, know mm-hmm. the goal that you're aiming for, the target that you're looking to achieve and be flexible in how you get there. Be able to be willing to be flexible enough to take a new path or to take different paths from what people before you have done to kind of break that, well, this is the way we've always done it, mold and figure out newer ways to do things because ultimately that's how we evolve and innovate as a society. It's so interesting that you say that because I experienced that myself in just, you know, people that I was surrounded with businesses that I was doing business with shut their doors completely within a couple of days to a week. And then other businesses thrived. And now I want to back up and say, I understand, and I, and I know you do too, that not every business has an opportunity to go online and just mm-hmm. do a virtual training or a virtual workshop or a virtual something or another. I mean, there are businesses that restaurants, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you, can't, and, you can't go and, online. And we even saw this like within the restaurant space, right? Where mm-hmm. some restaurants were like, well, sorry, like we just, we can't do this anymore. Where other restaurants were like, we're going to do curbside pickup. We're going to, you know, we're going to adapt to the times and you might not be able to dine in anymore, but we'll Mm -hmm. deliver it to you. And so there's always a way to shift and to pivot and to adjust. I mean, I just saw something come out from the Texas governor yesterday. A lot of States made it legal for people to pick up like drinks, cocktails and take them home. And (laughs) the Texas governor put out a a thing yesterday saying, we're looking to make that like permanent, not just like a COVID thing. So moving Uh forward, you'll be able to order drinks at a bar and, you know, pick it up and take it home and drink it if you want margaritas or whatever. And so that that's part of the process of innovation and continuous growth is that we have to be able to pivot. So even if you couldn't move online, there would have been ways potentially that you could have pivoted and shifted if you were willing to look for them. And a lot of that is which side of the coin that you see, right? There's always two sides to every coin. When everybody else was talking about economic collapse and recessions and chaos, and, you know, I got all these emails the next day, the worst times in business are coming. I was very careful. And I said to my husband, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do the fear mongering thing. Yes, Mm -hmm. things are changing, but we know that within every recession ever in history, million and billion dollar businesses and empires have been created. So how do we find the opportunity within the chaos? And that was the message that we consistently put out and it it worked for us, right? We were able to find ways to, to shift and pivot. And so I love that you say, you know, businesses were created in recessions because people get creative, people get innovative, 
people look and go, okay, all these people have been doing this, this, this particular thing this way for so long, how can we do something similar, but yet different and, and, you know, take advantage of that opportunity. So I love that you say that that's, that's really, you know, so, so brilliant and so knowledgeable. Yeah. I mean, like Uber was created in the 2008, 2009 recession, right? Mm -hmm. It was, and I think what it is, I've been doing a lot of research and, and looking at like cyclical human behaviors because history really does repeat itself, right? Uh-huh. We, we've seen it time and time again through history. And in times of hardship and recession is where people really come back to the basics of what is the problem and how can I solve it? Mm-hmm. And ultimately people are always going to pay you to solve a problem for them. People are inherently, and I've spent money doing ad runs and ad tests on if I put out a, so there's two types of motivation. There's away from motivations where we're moving away from pain. And then there's towards motivations where we're moving towards something that we want. I put out last year, I spent a couple thousand dollars just testing the message. If I put out a message that moves somebody away from pain and I talk about Mm -hmm. overcoming depression or anxiety or getting out of fear, do those perform better than if I put out a message towards of towards motivation. So how to be more happy, how to get and achieve your goals. And like, it was more than a four times engagement rate on the away from pain than it was the towards motivation. Right. And I think in times of economic hardship or like last year with the pandemic and whatnot that was going on, people ultimately come back to the basics of how do I solve somebody's problem? Woolworths uh, was, and Walmarts were created during the great depression in the thirties because Mm -hmm. people still needed basic home supplies. They still needed to be able to go somewhere and get you know, thread and needles to to (laughs) sew things, right? They still needed to be able to get soap from somewhere. And so they created this billion dollar, probably trillion dollar empire based off of the need. Right. And so I think when we're in those times of hardship, we come back to the basics. And then as the economy goes up and we're in a boom, that's where people want, they, they stray from the basics and they're like, well, what do I want to create? And they focus less on the problem that it solves and more on the towards motivation. They become the term that has come up in the research that I've done is that people become complacent when Mm -hmm. we're in an economic boom. So they stop trying so hard, but they don't have to try so hard in that economic boom because people have money and they're willing to spend it. Right. That's why we're in a boom. So that complacency is allowed to happen. And then during the recession, we have to convince people why they should part with their money. People are still going to spend money in a recession. They just need to know that it's going to be worth it. Right. And so what, what do you think besides, you know, moving towards pleasure or away from pain, what else do you think motivates people to, to purchase or to buy? What, what causes them, you know, as a, as a business or a brand, how can you trigger those, um, whatever those triggers are inside a person to motivate them to either move towards pleasure or away from pain? What do you get them to do to buy? That's a great question. I'm actually reading a really great book right now called empathetic marketing. Mm -hmm. And it's about putting out a marketing message that is aligned with the six core human needs. So 
the, the ones that he talks about in the book are slightly different to how Tony Robbins words them, but essentially the six core human needs are things like freedom uh, or growth, safety, variety, um, connection or love, you, you know, so mm-hmm. there's, there's six, I'm not going to name them all because I can't think of them all right now, <laughs> That's um, okay. but it's how do we satisfy those human needs, right? We all have a need to feel connected and part of something. Mm-hmm. This is why this, my personal opinion, this is why we have such a divide in the country right now is because people have chosen a side and they've dug their heels in and said, this is my side, right? Because they feel part of something. If we can, if there was a different circumstance, so let's say, you know, there's a common saying, I would never wish for 9-11 to happen again, but mm-hmm. 9-12 was a day where we saw the entire world come together for mm-hmm. that collected humanity, right? If we can recognize that we're already part of something even bigger than those two political sides or those two whatever sides, then mm-hmm. we can start to create more unity. So knowing that people are part of a tribe, um, Nike does this. Adidas does this. You're like a Nike's person or you're an Adidas person, right? Like <laughs> right. if you're always Nike, you're always Nike. And if you're always right. Adidas, you're always Adidas. Yeah. And so a lot of the large brands do this really well where they create that community. Nike has run clubs in major cities to then create that community within the, the individual cities. CrossFit mm-hmm. did this really well, right? You were, if you were a CrossFitter, people knew. Right. 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 And there was like the whole joke about if you're a vegan or a CrossFitter, people will know, well, it's part of that, that community, right? Like you're creating and love them or hate them. Donald Trump did this, Mm -hmm. created that community where people wanted to project that they were a Trump supporter because you knew what the values were that they stood for. Right. 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 So looking at, you know, how can you create a community for people to feel included in the next human need? How can you make people feel safe? Right. So there are certain industries that will focus more on how can we make you feel safe? You can, you can do this. I mean, you could do this in with the health, like talking Mm -hmm. about how you're going to make somebody more healthy so that their health is safe you know, right. protecting their home, protecting their family, life insurance, health insurance plays a lot off of this need, you know, that feeling right. of, of safety and security. Um, people need variety. So how can you show people that they have variety? There's a lot of watch band companies now or watch companies where you buy the face of the watch, but then you can have interchangeable bands, bands. right? So you get that yeah. variety. Right. Or I saw... I don't even know, maybe it was on Shark Tank or something, but I saw this shoe mm-hmm. and you could actually like, it was a woman's shoe. You could unhook the heel and create like different looks. Like it could be a wedge one day. It could be a stiletto the next day. It could be a flat the next day, but it gives uh-huh. you a variety, right? Right. So people right. need variety. How can you create that variety for them? People need to feel like they're contributing. Mm-hmm. They want contribution. So if your product or service, a portion of that goes towards a cause, now people feel like they have that contribution factor. People need growth. One of our core human needs is to grow and evolve. 
the, the, I was actually doing research yesterday, the personal development self-help industry uh-huh. at $11 billion and it grows at a rate of 5% a year. Wow. The only wow. year it didn't grow was 2008. The only year that it didn't grow by 5%. And we're not even like, when we talk about bubbles, we're not even uh-huh. close to the bubble because no. there's still the majority of the population that is not involved in self-development, but the people who are, are hugely rooted in that. Mm-hmm. Other times they'll talk about, you know, growth being, you know, this new TV that can do these cool things, right? You're evolving, be part of the evolution. Uh, Apple played off right. of this really well, right? right? If you right. have an Apple product, you're the innovator, right? right? So there right. is that community, but also the growth innovation aspect. Um, and then the other one that people need is significance. So that like worthiness, how mm-hmm. can you get them to feel like they are significant? And so when you start marketing to those needs and touching on those core human needs, the people who are looking to satisfy that need will buy. Right. When I was reading um, Seth Godin's book, This Is Marketing, he talks about, do people like me do things like this? And so we question, we're constantly, we we don't even know we're doing this, but we're constantly running this scenario through our minds of going, do people like me buy something like this? Do people like me use this kind of product? So you're associating yourself, even in those stories that you're putting in your head, you're associating yourself with a group of individuals that you think are like-minded and you're sitting yeah. there going, do I, do people like me do this? You know, and you're and, questioning yourself. Yeah. And I would even take that further to say that people are going to say, is the person that I see myself as, or the person that I want to become, did they do this? Frank mm-hmm. Kern has a video. It's, it's like 10 years old now, but he has this video about people don't buy Lamborghinis because they want to spend $400,000 on a car. They mm-hmm. buy the Lamborghini for the feeling that it's going to give them, right? For the club that it's going to get them into. And Mm -hmm. so moving to Dallas where there's a lot of supercars everywhere all the time, right? right? right. That was cars and watches were like the two big things that I noticed really got pushed in the economy here in Dallas when I first moved here. And it was like, as soon as you hit a certain threshold, you had to get like the supercar, you, you know, you had to have the Maserati, the Lamborghini, the Rolls Royce, the McLaren, whatever it was, right. have that nice car. My right. old apartment building, we used to, we were telling this story the other day, we used to park on the fifth floor and going up, we would pass two Bentleys, like a Range Rover, Rolls, <laughs> a Ferrari, a couple Maseratis. And it was like the place, the in place, right? Uh-huh. But once you got to that certain that certain income point, you had to have the nice watch and you had to have the nice car. And so when entrepreneurs look at it, right. Mm-hmm. You ask yourself, like, is this what I think an entrepreneur does? Or is this actually in alignment with what I want? Like I said to my husband, cause he was like, well, we need to get you the nice car. And I was like, <laughs> but I like, I don't want a hundred thousand dollar car firstly, because I'd be too paranoid to drive it anywhere. Right. 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 I would, I would rather spend that extra money and go on a vacation somewhere because 
that's, what's in alignment for me. So Mm -hmm. I think for entrepreneurs, like checking in with yourself as well, so that you're not buying things because you're going to be marketed to the exact same way, right. You know, to, to join the seven figure club or the six figure club or whatever, you have to do these things, check in with yourself and say, uh, do I really need that thing? Is that, is that really in alignment with where I'm going Mm -hmm. or is that just, you know, somebody telling me that I have to do something to fit into a certain box. So let's talk about the seven figure club, the six figure club, because I think, and I buy, I've bought into it myself personally, you know, there's all these shiny objects out there and there's all these, you don't know whether it's real marketing, whether it's fake marketing, whether they're taking pictures, whether it's Photoshop, you don't know. You don't know if they've scaled the business or not scaled the business, but you see these shiny objects and you're like, oh, I've got to pay 10 grand for this course, or I've got to hire this coach for, you know, $50,000 a year, or I've got to, I've got to invest in, you know, there's all these things, this noise coming at you and you feel like torn. And I know as an entrepreneur, and especially in the years ramping up to getting to where I am right now, I, you have all this like, oh, I should be taking this course and I should be hiring a coach and I should be, I should already be at six figures. I should be on my way to seven figures. So, so how do you stop the noise and, and how do you discern where you're going to where are you going to, how are you going to avoid those shiny objects and where are you going to lead your path down to? Yeah, that that's a great question. And I regularly come back to it myself, having been the person who got pulled into like the $50,000 coach that really distracted me for a while. Mm -hmm. So I would say the most important thing for any entrepreneur to do and do this at the beginning of your journey, knowing that it's going to be a practice that evolves is sit down the first thing I get my clients to do is write a eulogy that they would want someone to give at their funeral if they fulfilled their legacy in this life. I know it's a little bit morbid. Mm -hmm. It puts things into perspective though, because nobody at your eulogy is going to stand up and be like, they had really great shoes and drove fast (laughs) cars, right? That's not what people are going to talk about. That's not going to make an impact on people really. And so from there, we know that businesses and a lot of businesses, when they start up, they'll create a mission statement for the business, but we don't as humans do it for ourselves. So create this like mission or intention statement for your life. And when I first started, I think I've rewritten mine like three times in the last or 10 times in the last three years since I launched my business in this form. And so it's going to, it's going to evolve. When I first wrote mine, it was literally like, I want to help people feel better. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't think of any more eloquent way to say it right now now that I've gotten into it. And I realize like what I'm super passionate about, what I'm not so passionate about. I know that for me, I want to empower 1 million people to live an intentional life that's aligned with their deepest truth by clearing out all the crap, right? All the old stuff that's not really in alignment with them. And so that becomes the benchmark for my life. And Mm -hmm. so every time I have a coach who comes to me or, you know, we're looking at a coach, we're looking at a program, we're looking at something to invest in and investing in yourself is going to be part of the journey. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you're investing in the people who are in alignment with where you're going. So, as I said, you know, we've invested in some coaches who were $50,000 and 
the message that I got from them was that I wouldn't really be taken seriously until I got to the seven figure mark, or I, you know, wouldn't really have this impact until I got to the seven figure mark. And so I found myself in this space where I disconnected from my highest intention. I wasn't fully checking in with it every day and coming back to it. And I wasn't making decisions in alignment with it. So everything that I do now, I ask myself, is this going to help me get to that faster? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, then it's a distraction. And if it is, then I'll check and see if we have the time, the resources, et cetera. So I had gotten so disconnected and become so focused on the money goal Mm -hmm. that I actually started to resent my clients and my business, right? Because a big part of hitting seven figures is you also then have to fulfill on the services you've sold. And so, and for me, I'm in a service-based business. So I found myself getting resentful because I was like, if I'm fulfilling, you know, if I'm spending all this time with you, then I'm not Mm -hmm. out there bringing you sales, but your money is part of what's getting me to that. So that, right, right. And so I got to a point where I was so burnt out, so resentful that I was like, I just need to take a break. And then I said, I asked myself, like, what am I doing this for? And I came back to that highest intention. And I said, ultimately, like on top of that intention, leaving that legacy, what do I want my life to look like? I want the freedom to be able to do what I want when I want. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm super passionate. I love teaching. I love coaching. I love creating content. The rest of it, not so much. Right. So right. how can I create a business that allows me to go to the beach whenever I want to take my family and my in-laws on a vacation once a year that allows us to take a week off a quarter or whatever that looks like work. However many, you know, not 14 hours a day, right. Work, you know, six to eight, maybe a day, but to have that life that I want, you know, I'm willing to work more in the winter because it's not as nice outside, but in the summer, I want to be on the golf course. I want to be on the beach. I want to be doing sure. other things. So when I realized that I was like, how do I know seven figures is even the number Mm -hmm. like, you know, and, and why, why does that number even matter? Because somebody else told me that it did. That did. Yeah. So I would say focus more on the impact that you're having and, you know, come back to that highest intention statement because your highest intention statement, like people aren't going to show up at your funeral and be like, they were so awesome because they made seven figures, Yeah, right? You can make six figures and still change a lot of people's lives. I'm in the six figure mark now, and I've worked with over 500 people in the last three years. Right. So when you look at it that way, each and every one of those 500 people absolutely mattered. And so now I just focus on the clients, my highest intention. And when you do that, the money is going to come. When you come back to that place of how can I serve you Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, how, how do I get what I need and move on? Then your business is going to grow a lot faster. I know for me personally, and, and I'm sure this is just true in general, when I've been in a space where I'm okay, regardless of what happens, whether I get a client, whether I don't get a client, whether I lose a client, whether they stay, but I'm okay with whatever, regardless of what happens it all happens the way it should happen. And then I don't really, I let the money go. I let the money part just work itself out. And miraculously it comes to you. And Mm -hmm. it's, and I've read books and I've watched videos and I've studied about how that really happens. But until you 
actually experience it and see it for yourself, you're like, oh, that's, that's BS. Like there, how, how do you get there? How do you, but I, I, I find myself going back to that every single time when you let the money go and you just do your thing, it comes just naturally. And yeah. It's, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's ultimately the energy that you're putting out, both the universe and our minds respond to the energy. And so mm-hmm. if you're in this fear-based energy where you're like, I have to control everything you're holding on for dear life, you're going to put yourself into a fear-based energy, which studies actually show closes off the filters of your mind. And all you become focused on is more things that can harm you or hurt you. And so you actually close yourself off from receiving because you're in this fear place and you're like not trusting anybody and you have to be in control and you, right. you almost like repel people in that space, right? Like if you see somebody and say you're in the grocery store and you see somebody who's like, no, I have to ring up my own groceries. You'd be like, oh, I don't want to be around this person. <laughs> and so right. like energetically you put up those barriers for yourself and you're like, has to be my way or the highway. And we're doing this and this is going to happen. And you're like, have that tight control over your business you energetically just start to repel people who are like, whoa, dude, chill. Right. Right. Whereas when you're like, okay, I'm committed to this vision and I'm flexible in how we get there. And you, you have that element of surrender, then your the filters of your mind actually open up and you see more opportunity. It's so amazing how that works because you know, I, I still, I mean, every time I, I witness it and I think I'm in a space today where I have the ability to witness it. Whereas before you don't, you just kind of blindly go through life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm just aware enough to go, that's, I'm doing that. I'm putting out that energy and it's coming back to me. How did you get to to, to like dive into want to know all about this and putting out the energy and NLP and, and, you know, the universe, you know, attracting where you are and how did you get, what got you to, to be interested in this? Um, so I think there's always been an element to me that was spiritual. I grew up in a town where there was a lot of churches and there was a lot of, um, like community Bible studies. I didn't actually know there were a Bible study. I just knew they were telling stories and I thought the stories were really cool. Uh Um, I was kind of, I was fairly ignorant. And then my parents stopped letting me go because they thought I was being indoctrinated into a religion and my parents are not at all religious. So they stopped letting me go and I was kind of devastated. And then in my teenage years, VeggieTales came out and I was like, they're telling the same stories. This is awesome. I love this. (laughs) And I love cartoons. So perfect. Um, so I think there's always been an element of like believing in a creator, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever that creator is, there's always been that element of spirituality and connected to something bigger. My background, my degree is actually in athletic therapy and exercise science. So I've always been fascinated in the body. And I think just through my own personal struggles with eating disorders and the abuse that I faced growing up that I wanted to help other people feel better about themselves. And so initially I did that Mm -hmm. through rehabbing sports injuries and helping people become fitter. When I, after I finished college, I went to Australia and I was working in a gym. And I, at the same time that I was kind of going through my own low point, I found out that my boyfriend of three years had a girlfriend in another state. Uh, I found that out on the same day I found out I was pregnant. 
and mm. I ended up uh, miscarrying the baby. So I was kind of going through my own healing process. And then at the same time, one of the interns at our, at our gym facility, he was experiencing a lot of back pain and he'd done all the traditional forms of therapy, had done all the exercises that you should do and nobody could figure it out. And I had just started, you know, some friends and social media and whatnot kind of started putting these messages that the body stores unresolved negative. Yes. So I kind of used myself and him as a little bit of a guinea pig. He gave me permission to do that and started delving into the space of mindfulness and his, it turns out that he actually had a minor case of PTSD. He had served in the special forces in Afghanistan and mm-hmm. had lost a number of his good friends over there. So he completely healed his back pain through some mindfulness techniques. And then in my own healing journey of looking for things to heal my past, I found a whole lot that didn't work. I had therapists and went to all the seminars and life coaches that told me, you know, you can't get rid of the past, just focus on the future. I'm like, that almost killed me. And then that ultimately brought me to NLP and it was a total game changer for my life. I became a completely different person. Um, most people don't, wouldn't know this if they hadn't met me back then, but I was uh-huh. so super angry. Like my family used to call me right. Mount Tiffany. Like I would just erupt <laughs> and I did my healing over a two year period in Australia when I didn't come home to visit my family at all. And then when I came back the next time, something happened that normally I would have just exploded at my family. I watched them brace and I was just like, oh, well, whatever. And I just like walked away from it and shrugged it off. And my family was like, what, what just happened? happened? (laughs) And so that was like, I mean, I knew that it was working, but that was just like total validation that, that when we start to dig into this, that we can dramatically change ourselves. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm so fascinated with it. I'm not as experienced as you are, but I definitely read and study um, and research a lot about it because our body mimics our mind, you know? So whatever we're starting to think inside our mind is going to show up in weight addiction, you know, health issues, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I'm just so fascinated with it. And I think it plays out in so many, in in all aspects of our life, whether it's a personal um, relationship, whether it's a business that you're growing, you know, whatever it is, it's happening in your mind. So I'm just so fascinated with all of that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Like I just, I'm obsessed to be honest. (laughs) All right, Tiffany, how can we get a hold of you? Best ways would either be connect with me on Facebook, um, facebook.com forward slash Tiffany.tombs or on my website, bluelotusmind.com. That'll link to all my social media accounts. Um, but I put a lot of free content out on my Facebook, my personal page um, to help people start to change the way that they're thinking or just look at their lives differently. Um, and we will link everything up in the show notes and I'm, I'm going to highly recommend to my audience to go find you on Facebook. Cause I know you do some amazing videos and I've watched several of them and you really do put out a lot of great content, um, and it's free. So go follow her. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of It's Simply Life. If you like what you hear, please share, rate, review us, and leave us any comments. We do read every single one of them. 
if you are looking to up your digital marketing game or build your brand, make sure and visit us at itssimplydigital.com or you could send me an email, lisa at itssimplydigital.com. All right, go be awesome and have a wonderful day.